Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. The message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Motherfucking episode five. Yes. I'm buzzing, right? Because five bands decided, or five members, or multiple members from five different bands decided so far to actually speak to me in regards to the hardcore project really cool so thank you uh so much for your time there uh this episode i say episode five is with nash from nasty uh this was a really cool talk actually uh spoke about nasty uh from pretty much when they started all the way through i mean you know how the graph goes um yeah we covered pretty much all their tours or predominantly a lot of the tours from back in the day all the way up to most recently and where they were been playing sadly obviously the rona kicked in didn't it fucking love a dick um yeah so check it out if you enjoy it get it shared about but yeah please enjoy and we'll go from there thanks very much and we're live right so here i am with nash from nasty how are you doing my man hello everybody i'm doing very well pleasure to have pleasure to be here Yes, man. Thank you very much once again for uh, for coming on here. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure to get you on on the actual podcast for a start. So again, thank you for your time. Um, so let's let's uh, chat some wham about nasty. I mean, we we spoke very very briefly. You mentioned uh, that you it started back in way way back before two thousand and four. I think two thousand and four is when nasty became official. But you had, was it two bands prior to that? Did you mention? Yes, we had like. I don't even know how many bands we had before. Probably <laughs> two to five, something between that. I can't really remember because I was very young, to yeah. be fair. That I was probably around 15, 16 when I started playing drums and immediately started playing with other bands who also were not good at playing an instrument. But we somehow fit together. And I think we had like actually three different bands with kind of the same member, members like Nasty. Yeah. Um, I think the first band was really like a mosh band super super ignorant yeah and we did was more um more like old schoolish like old Daima demon like h8000 from 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 uh, belgium like really kind of fast two-step also a bit moshy but more old school um third band then was called van damme which was basically the project right before nasty right and that uh in 2005 i believe uh became nasty and um basically the same members all the time more or less and Maddie and me we were like in Van Damme Maddie was also singing in Van Damme mm-hmm. and, uh, so we basically just stopped Van Damme and then a few months later um, started Nessie same members and it was great and that was it and, uh, and that's all she wrote I mean well there were six albums 
prior to uh, Menace that just came out on uh, on Friday there. Uh, you mm-hmm. had stuff from, like, all, it started off pretty much like declaring war, then through to aggression, give a shit, love, shocker. And then you had, obviously, a religion there. Um, so, I mean, when this first started out as a band, uh, it saw you touring quite extensively across Europe. Um, it even got you across into to America at one point with um, with stuff like No Zodiac and World of Pain, if that's right. Yeah, we um, the first few years, we really started touring pretty fast. Like, we were, for some reason, quite quite lucky to get some attention attention mm. from people so we we really started playing shows uh pretty fast the thing is what most people don't know because it's not an official release before the claim war we had a, a demo tape like a temp demo cd called the beginning ah uh really amazing demo cd i, I actually don't have it anymore which is about no, lost lost into the times is it yeah <laughs> And uh, it is really good produced, like well quality already. And uh, because of that demo, we got a contract with uh, Factus Recording of Recordings, which yeah. was the first label we worked with, uh, which released the Claim War. Mm-hmm. And um, after the Claim War, it was aggression, mm-hmm. and that was released through Good Life already. So, yeah, and we we started touring like we didn't really do proper tours like two weeks tours three weeks tours for uh for a very long time but we constantly played weekends so yeah. every Saturday straight from the first basically half year after we 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 formed Messi we started playing every weekend we were just yeah. going on weekends you know so we all had jobs I did a training uh, for example to become a baker yeah. so I I was always trying to get off the weekends, which for a baker is kind of like hard because... Difficult because it's prime time for baking, of course. For the baking. Yeah, but then uh, if I'm right, like four weeks, uh, four weeks would be cool. Four years into Nasty, we started kind of constantly touring. Mm. And I believe the first really, really proper, long official tour we ever did was probably the Hell on Earth tour. I believe it was 2011, if I'm right, with Unearth and Evergreen Terrace. So that was like the first real tour where you go on a nightliner and you go on for like, I think that one was like 36 days or something like that. Wow. And uh, after that, that was basically the first step for us into the tour life. Mm. After that, we basically toured a lot. Like we basically played every show that was offered uh, nationally and also internationally. And after we did a couple of European tours and mm. a lot of shows and, and festivals, smaller festivals and middle festivals, we um, we also started playing internationally outside of Europe. So we went to America four times in total. Exactly. And uh, we went to Japan four times. We went to Russia four times. It's wow. big, right? And uh, obviously we did everything in Europe. Yeah. And we did Brazil, which was crazy one time. Wow. Who was that with, if you don't mind me asking? Um, Brazil was with a band called Worst. For whatever what? reason they call themselves Worst, I love it. Uh, it was a fun time. It was a band with uh, Fernando Schaefer playing the drums, Thiago Monstrino being the singer, and they, uh, I think they're not existing anymore, oh. but they formed into another band. But uh, that was a fun time, I'm telling you. Two yeah. weeks for and uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> that's what we like to hear that's what we like to hear um yeah. well I, I was going to say in terms of touring, you know it brought you over to the uk quite a lot um 
uh, I don't know if it was one of the first UK tours, but I know one of the tours I think I saw you on when I first saw Nasty in the UK or ever uh, was with Arcrania and Sentenced. Uh, yeah, sadly, both now disband. I think Arcrania are potting about every now and then and Sentenced haven't really, uh, they haven't really said much since. But um, yeah, uh, that was the first time I, I know that you guys well for me personally came over to the UK I don't know if you did that beforehand uh I think I think you came over with was it I, I think you had Broken Teeth as a support and there was two other bands on that tour I can't Deez Deez Nuts. That, was, that was the one yeah I think it was a decent tour um so yeah I think that brought you over to the UK at one point as well there um you you were with Beatdown Hardware for quite some time there for a lot of your releases weren't you through uh was that was that um Love Onwards Love Shocker and uh Religion was that Exactly, yeah. it was love and uh, shocker and religion, yeah. And Tony, the owner of Beat on Hardware Records, he uh, was always with us kind of since the beginning as well. I think he did the first, he was the promoter for the first ever nasty, I think German show, or like outside of uh, our area here show. And oh, it was right. a show in, in Oelde, called a city called Oelde, in 2006, I believe as well. And he was very close with Norman from Factors Recordings. They were very close mates. Yeah. So they worked together. And uh, yeah, and then at some point, Tony started doing, uh, uh, I think he started out with, uh, first he started out with um, Closes. Mm. Uh, hardware was more like a close, close label, like yeah. Closes. But then I believe, maybe I'm talking shit now, <laughs> maybe the other way around. But, and then he started becoming a label, you know, but we were very happy with him. And we are still very good friends. And uh, he did proper, proper work with the free releases we did with him, really. And I think Newtown Hardware for hardcore bands, uh, till a certain level, is the perfect, you know, label in Europe. And uh, yeah, we're very happy with him. Very much so. They've had, a, they've had plenty of bands going through them and still going through them now, um, who, I don't, I don't know, as soon as you got like a bit of a, when you've got like the beatdown hardware label, uh, sort of sticker on your on your band it sort of it turns a few heads to think well if they're looking that way maybe we should start to uh so now i can understand why that was a good platform to be a part of obviously um menace was released uh just on friday it was friday the 25th there uh, which uh, i think i've listened to collectively about 10 times through now uh it hasn't stopped playing um was that recorded like during during lockdown or did it start beforehand and started so it coming together during lockdown. How how did that go about? Yeah, man, that was tricky. Um, I think we started writing the new album Menace uh, last year, April, kind mm. of around that time frame. And uh, you know, obviously, writing <coughs> writing last year was easy. Yeah, <laughs> we had like two between uh, two or three times a week in the studio, and just wrote the songs together. And uh, I, I think. So the lockdown began, well, Corona began, uh, I think, this year, February, right? End of February, beginning that's, of March. Yeah, around that. Well, especially for us in the UK and Europe, yeah. That's, that's when it started affecting ourselves. Yeah. And I think at that time when Corona started, we were halfway through the record, I believe. So we right. had like maybe six or seven songs out of 13 or 14 songs, what is on the album, I believe. So yeah, we were kind of halfway through. And then um, the lockdown came. Mm. And in the beginning of the lockdown, I mean, in Germany, at least, I know it was different in other countries, but we didn't have like a strict lockdown where you were supposed to be home. There were certain rules that had to be respected, but we were allowed to go outside, you know, yeah. like the walk and be with one other person. 
So it's not like in Spain where you were only allowed to go out for like shopping. Necessities, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. So over here in Germany, luckily things were a little bit smoother. And um, but then a few weeks into the into Corona, uh, everything got even stricter even here. So at some point we were not allowed to go in the studio anymore, you know. And our producer Andy. He said, guys, I just had a call from like, you know, the police kind of, and I cannot welcome anymore any, anyone in the studio. It's kind of tricky. Wow. So we had to sit down and we had to figure out a way to keep going because we had a certain deadline, you know, the album finished. And we really wanted to stick to that deadline. We didn't want to, uh, you know, stop writing or something like that. So we and said... back sort of thing, yeah. We go through that and we figured out ways to just uh, do it. So we basically did everything. Like we talk now through Facebook. You know, uh, I think Patty was always on Skype with Andy. They were kind of playing the guitar in front of each other and yeah. played it with for him. And then Andy played it through and played it in. And I did the same thing with the drums. You know, I talked to him right here. Like I'm talking to you now. <laughs> I was on sticks. I had a pet here and I was like, you know, you take a rhythm like this and eight, eight hits here, two hits there. <laughs> and, uh, luckily, he's really good with understanding the rhythm and drums. So we kind of worked smooth together. Yeah. But it, let me tell you, it was tricky, man. And oh, um, I can imagine. Luckily, after a few weeks, uh, things got a little bit easier again. So we were able to go in the studio with one person. Mm-hmm. Maddie, luckily, was able to go there and do the vocals because... Yes. Recording the vocals over Zoom could be difficult, you know? <laughs> Very much so. It's, it's not going to be as smooth as you'd like it to be. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then a few weeks after that, we were able to go back in the studio with four people, and that was pretty much towards the end yeah. of the album. But I can tell you, half of the album was actually written through all this process here, like crazy. It was earth-wrecking too, you know, because... I think we work best as a as a as a team together in one room, and then everyone can you know put into what they want to write, and yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So this must have been a, a real or well, a culture shock, as we said, because obviously you had to get used to doing everything over over a Zoom call, and it, it's a lot harder when you're trying to get everything up. like you, you know I can imagine with the guitar being here and the bass over here and trying to get everything to fit perfectly. But I mean, bloody hell, it's worked. <laughs> You've uh, Absolutely nailed it out of the park with Menace there. Um, I know it's uh, it's second on a, one of the billboards uh, close to yourselves. What which billboard? But well, sorry, which billboard was that again? That was that. That is just Cortex in Berlin. That's not really a big thing. The Cortex store in Berlin is like a punk um, merchandise store. Ah, right. Pretty, uh, pretty famous. I think David is the owner. I think he's there since <laughs> before uh, the war came down or something like yeah. that. <laughs> um, that's not, not, not really a big thing, but actually at the moment, uh, the billboard chart counting is going on, and uh, I think we are necessary, and uh, it's a very interesting time, you know? It, mm. It's going till Friday still, because the billboard chart counting is always for one week, so we released right. last Friday, so it's till next Friday, so three more days, and um, we'll see, man. I have no idea. <laughs> Can't really see where you're at the moment or anything, but no, of course you just kept in the dark until uh, until the weeks up, aren't you? And then it goes right. This is what you got. It's like why can't you why can't you tell us? <laughs> We're probably very excited to see, and it's a big surprise. We'll see. I have no idea. No one of, of us knows. 
well, from what I've seen, certainly around my bubble uh, of friends and on social media, uh, they've all been sharing around nasty um, in any way, shape, or form. I've still got tons of merch uh, from you guys from previous UK tours um, and, and festivals that you did. Um, some of the lower ones that you made, like mentioned before, like the medium-sized ones that you did over over here. Uh, there was Ghost Fest, for example. That was a, a real good showcase for yourselves. Um, I think you played in like the second stage, so you had like the tiny, like the tiny corridor stage in Leeds. That was a, uh, well, that was a fucking fun time. I got hit in the head a couple of times, but it's all part of the fun and games. Ghost <laughs> um, Fest was pretty a pretty cool thing, and but it, it stopped right. Yeah, 2015 was the last one. Sadly, um, we've I think people do every now and then sort of reminisce and go, do you know what? We'd love to have another Ghost Fest, but I, I, I'm highly doubtful that we'll ever see anything like that again. But I mean, we've got other festivals coming up, like that you were about to play was uh, was Fury Fest in April, uh, uh, with the likes of Malevolence, Desolated, uh, the Acacia Stream. My goodness, um, that that was going to be in April, wasn't it? Um, which again, yeah. True. Was, um, was, uh, with Nessie as well, right? I guess was it. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, I think it, no, no. It was a UK exclusive. Um, I think you were just doing Manchester and London. Uh, yeah. Oh man, what a bummer! They're cool. Yeah. They would have been cool, I think. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, again, you'd have been uh, with good friends there, with, like Ma- uh, Malevolence and Desolated. Um, do you still keep in contact with like uh, Paul from Desolated and stuff? As you said, uh, I know we spoke briefly about that. Oh yeah, I mean Paul and me, we have. Uh, I mean, I, I barely see him. You know, I oh, see him twice a year if I'm lucky. Yeah. But, uh, I once helped out Desolated when their drummer from America um, couldn't make it over because of a visa issue, I believe. Right, yeah. Or Paul called me and um, asked me if I could help them out on the uh, tour with, I don't even know what tour it was, but um, I said, of course, man, because luckily at that time I had nothing really to do. And um, I said, let's go. Brilliant. And I went over to, to England, flew over, and I stood at Paul's place for a couple of days while yeah. we were together. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how we became even a little bit closer. I met his ex-girlfriend at that time, you know, I met his dog, he was a dog owner there. And, uh, yeah, we just like the guys from, uh, from Lesser Light, especially Paul, Jake, who's sadly not in the band anymore, mm. very nice guy from London, you know, and, uh, yeah, good friends, really. Every time I see Paul, I'm very happy. We're good, good friends with the guys of Malevolence as well, did a couple of tours and, a lot of shows with them. Yeah, and, uh, uh, one of them was the Taste of Anarchy tour with, um, was it Aversion's Crown, Sand, and was it Vidger, I want to say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, again, another, uh, that was another, um, was that, that was another Taste of Anarchy, wasn't it? Was it? I want to um, say it was. I'm not too sure. Taste of Anarchy, I think we only did two Taste of Anarchy so far. I think that that tour with uh, Aversion's Crown was had another name. I can't really remember what it was. But um, yeah, I think uh, Taste of Anarchy was only two previous other ones. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Malevolence, I mean, you know, like, luckily for them, it's kind of working well as, as well. I mean, awesome band, you know? Yeah, fantastic band. Kind of play a lot. So I see them every time with Nasty. We play a show together. Yeah. But also, I playing drums and Nasty. I'm, I'm a tour manager and a pr- production officer and assistant. So I'm also on festivals a lot beside Nasty. Understandably, yeah. I see them when I'm not there with Nasty as well, which is of course. fun, you know? That's where you want to be. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, yeah, man, I like Charlie a lot. Charlie's considered my little brother, the drummer, because we oh, kind God. of you know, he's Dude, you have a sim- you have a similar look. Now that now that you said it, do you know what? It's just sort of clicked and I've gone. And they're both drummers as well. <laughs> That's how you look. Like I believe you look. <laughs> you couldn't tell the difference. So switch him over and be like, hold on a second. <laughs> this oh, nice. uh, it's a it's a it's a cool cool group of people, really. A little bit crazy, but you know everyone is kind of crazy. So, well, especially in our scene, I think it uh, helps to be a bit crazy. It helps uh, helps to organise and everything, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, talking more about like other bands that you've toured with, I know um, you did a. You're quite good friends, or at least I'd like to think you are, uh, with with uh, the uh, US band Lionheart. You did um, a big it was a big tour with them, wasn't it? Uh, over in what well, was it, across Europe? I know yeah. I went to uh, Stuttgart and. A Munich show uh, went to backstage. Now, if you'd have said when because I went when I went to the Stuttgart show, it was quite tame. Like then, like they go, like they go nuts. That you know they throw themselves around and stuff. But when I went to Munich and that uh, backstage, that that uh, that specific venue, I've, I I didn't know there was like beatdown crews and stuff in like in Europe and stuff like that. And wow, they go in like. <laughs> When uh, as soon as you guys stepped up, I, I think I don't even think you'd actually started playing yet, and pits were already starting. People had broken out, and people were just punching and kicking, and it was it was absolute mayhem. And I, <laughs> um, I mean, with nasty, I mean you've probably seen that quite a lot over the years, haven't you? Have you seen like some proper, real violent shows where it's just been like, my God, what is this? Oh yeah, of course, man. I mean, this is a. <clears throat> I don't want to make too much out of the topic, but it is—it is a topic. You—you you mentioned the the crews. Mm. Yeah, there were certain, or there still are. I don't really know because I'm really not into that. But Certainly. still, crews, and uh, I think there were always kind of uh, problems at shows because crews had problems with the regular audience and stuff like this, mm. um, which is wrong, I believe. Yeah, sure. very much so. No. Think especially at hardcore shows, and we consider us as a hardcore band. Yeah, you know, the values are pretty important, and uh, well, it's unity kind of is one big thing for us, isn't it? So having people target other people to stay away is complete opposite of what we're going for. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't really, me personally, I really don't want to see that at shows that if, that you have two or three or four different groups or whatever, and just because you're in a certain group, you see the other one as a target or yeah. as less or as more or whatever. This kind of stupid. But um, yeah, we have seen some violence, obviously, because <laughs> apparently Nasty attracts these kinds of things or these kinds of dance, dance yeah, stuff. Never understood why. <laughs> no, we are not like police officers. I don't no. want to be on stage and tell people how to dance or how to not dance. I always enjoy yourself. Like common sense. And I believe running towards someone and punching him with a bare face in the face is probably not common sense. No. You know? Uh, but luckily, very luckily, our shows are always kind of packed. So this hall in front of the stage where people like that would feel very well because they have a lot of space to yeah. you know, punch does not exist very often. So it's more likely these days you mostly have like crazy chaos, you know, because it's so crowded. You have like yeah. stage people go nuts and you have, like obviously some people go super crazy, but it's just a whole fucking cooking, boiling yeah. hot and- of stage is nuts. It really is fun for the band. It's much better than just seeing a big hall and you have five people basically fighting MMA against each other. Well, you know, 
done that now. You, you've seen that side of it. You, you've built yourself up through the ranks, and now we're at the, we're the stages where, as you say, uh, and I've seen it firsthand as well. People literally just stage diving um, during during songs like Shocker um, and stuff like that, just right into the people. Car, uh, not uh, not car wheeling, but certainly like front flipping into the crowd and stuff. And it's absolute mayhem. But uh, as I say, it must be so much fun to see, especially from your perspective, because you've got it all from here as being the drummer. So you. <laughs> you got the I best vision. I'm, the, I'm usually sitting on the highest position in the of room. Of course, you know, so I see it all. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so focused on playing the drums, so I'm not really like looking around. But you know, sometimes special moments happen. Sometimes I have a second where I can look into the crowd when where I don't have to play something when Paddy does something. Yeah, it gives me so much, man. You know, it's like my life is awesome. <laughs> and I tell you. Two years ago, we did the last headliner tour and we played uh, Bochum, uh, okay. session Bochum here in Germany. Right. The show was uh, luckily sold out, crazy. And, uh, you know, this Bochum, the city is kind of like our area. It's kind of close to my home city and kind of close to Belgium. Right. So we had so many friends there and all our families came. It was a fantastic oh, evening. So it's just one big show for you, wasn't it? So family and friends. <laughs> So my parents were there, my mom, my sister, you know, who, who obviously doesn't, they don't have anything to do with hardcore, you know, no. they're not playing this music and they really appreciate it. They like that I'm kind of successful with it and that this is what I love to do. And um, so they always say, go for it. It's awesome. But obviously my mom is not like a hardcore kid. <laughs> so started playing the show. I was setting up. We started playing the first song at this Bochum show. Everyone went nuts. People, bodies just flying around. It's awesome. <laughs> And and then there was a a, a, a a certain moment like I just described. I, mm. I didn't do anything. Perry was playing the guitar, so I had a second. I looked down, and the first row. I swear, my mom and my sister. The first fucking row. No way. And this was one of the greatest moments in my life. You know, it's like seeing my mom and my sister there sing along with our songs. There it is. Mind blowing, really. One of the best feelings ever. It's like can't describe that. No. And I was happy that they made it out without injuries because, you know, they, they stood there the whole show from the of first to And it's amazing. And actually, my sister, if you listen to the song Scheiße from uh, Love, mm. German song, in the very, very end of the song, there's a little girl saying, Scheiße. Scheiße. My sister. It's actually my sister. You know, she was probably 12 or 13 when she, when she did that. <laughs> And, did she know what she was doing that for? Or did you just get her to record the word? I think she found it quite cool, obviously, because she knew she would be on the record, you know? Understandably. It's funny because when we played Shies Alive, yeah. the last few rhythms of the song, Maddie would go down and hold the mic to my sister, and she said, Shies <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing, you know? There you go. It comes around full circle, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, moments like this, like these moments, these are like absolutely fantastic, you know? You can't can. put them into words, can you? It's just, yeah. you, you, you've got to live it. Yeah. And then with the violence, obviously, I mean, back then in 2006, 2007, 2008, up to 2012, 13, we played crazy shows where people basically killed each other. I remember yeah. we went to America the first time, we played Brooklyn. And Maddie and me, in the middle of the set, we were looking at each other and we were like, this is not real. People were throwing <laughs> like, chairs and tables yeah. on each other everything yeah. that could have as well. i mean i was telling maddie after the show if i would have to describe my mom what kind of music i'm playing 
I would show her a video of this show, she would basically think I'm like mentally retarded. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to like, shows again. You're not playing in that band. You're staying at home and rapping you in bubble wrap. <laughs> and then, because you're from England, I can yeah. tell you, we played the, probably the most violent shows, top shows were in England, for sure. Yeah. Uh, definitely that show in Brooklyn, crazy when it comes to this stupid violence. Mm. Uh, but um, in England, there were two free shows. Maybe it was that, was that uh, a cranium tour, I'm not sure. But there were a few shows where pff, the ambulance was just coming. <laughs> I, think that, well, I think it was... Uh... Every two minutes, and I just looked at Betty again. I was like, man, what the fuck is going yeah. on? How have we managed this, lads? <laughs> It's like like a like a like a uh, injury production, you know, like you injuries through your music is crazy. It really is. I think some of those shows, if memory serves, one of them was a, a Birmingham show. It always it always seems to happen in Birmingham, um, where right. I, I'm pretty sure uh, I think there was two or three ambulances that ended up getting phoned out in the end just uh, for that show, and it just it baffles your head. But sorry, mom. <laughs> just, but, I don't know. It's what I do now. <laughs> when, I, when I was uh, 15, 16, 17, uh, I, I was like that, you know. I would go on the pit for Hatebreed. When they play Pressure Festival, I would go to Pressure Fest. Yeah. I would buy more tight pants, very short ones to kick out, you know. <laughs> so you kick out, yeah, yeah. You know what? Oh, like, we've all been there and done it. When you get to a certain age, you realize, man, maybe I shouldn't kick people in the face. Yeah. Kind of, you know, like... It's crazy, you know. It's crazy. It, yeah, do you know what? There is like a there's like a time gap between like between the years of being sixteen, say, through till about we'll call it twenty one, twenty two, where you go. Do you know what? I'm gonna hurt myself and at least another some two people, two three people around me. And then like on twenty second, twenty third birthday, like you mature and go, why can't I just be in a band instead? And other people can do that to my music, and that's usually what happens. I've I'm, I've missed out on that. I should have. Uh, I, I ne- I've never sat. Well, I've never really got into like a band or anything. I tried and then I stopped. But I'm I'm playing bass at the moment, so that's that's taken its toll. But enough about that. That's that's a that's a different discussion for a different day. Yeah, but um, maybe you can find a band one day. Don't don't give up on it. No, know? I'm never going to give up on it. It'll it'll happen eventually. <laughs> maybe one day I'll be supporting bassists. Nothing against bassists, but I think as a bassist, you can you know find a band. A, a little bit quicker, you can fill in quicker based yeah. on. As long as like, you can keep rhythm, back, you're okay. Back, you know, it's easier f- to fit in for basses than probably like a singer or maybe a drummer, I believe. You know? Very much so, yeah. No, I'm full agreeance with you there. I think if, if you're a, a drummer or a guitarist, I think you've, you two have got like the main weights of, of carrying the band and then like the other two, like obviously your words have got to carry quite a lot of what it is that you're expressing. Uh, but as you say, with bass, I think I really did take the easy option and thought, yeah, I'll just, I'll be in the background. I'll just do a little bit of something. And <laughs> yeah, I'm part of that. <laughs> it's a, you know, the kid who comes in and to, just gets like 10% credit for everyone else's work work that's going to be me it's <laughs> working well, let me tell you something the bass is a fantastic instrument though Very and i'm so. for marcus miller you know marcus miller i do that's like every night and i did like probably 100 shows with him already every night i'm watching him and i'm like how can this be weird <laughs> like the the sounds he produces with the bass only the bass and the rhythm and everything i mean obviously he's like the way he plays is like not a whole nother universe but you've got to take so much time to learn that yeah <laughs> hundreds of years for me <laughs> thousands but, for me mate i'm further behind you <laughs> uh, but 
but you know it's a great instrument and yeah. uh, i appreciate i appreciate it. you know a lot of people underestimate the bass for sure mm. and that's probably the reason why i said um it's probably easier to fill in the bass than the vocals or whatever you know because it's a little bit in the background as you said the bass yeah. guitar but man you know we played shows without the bass because our and bass is whatever reason i don't know like long time ago yeah yeah uh, if you miss that bass in the background in the room it's it's a big it, it makes like, a difference big difference huge difference i've seen it before like, i've had uh, a couple of friends when they've um i think uh, one of my friends bands from manchester w was playing to a uh, a click machine for, uh, for a drum uh, for a drummer for quite a while so it would just be uh, two guitarists a bassist him and then a, a drum machine in the background and then when they got the full production i think like a year or so later with an actual drummer everything changed and you it just you just realize how how much you actually need those things as opposed to just something on the side you know just to fill it in just mm -hmm. for that fuller sound and like i say well they blew me away after that when they had a full when they had a full sound but uh yeah it's as you say i it's, believe that, that that bass in general the bass guitar the instrument got more important in the last couple of years so uh, when you listen to certain cds of big bigger bands metal or medical bands because i think there was a time when metalcore was big, like let's, what was that, 10, 15 years ago, 10 years ago? Yeah, when it was really at its peak and everyone was, every, every band was sort of metalcore associated, of course. Yeah, so even on CDs, but also live, but mostly on CDs, uh, the bass was always like in the background. Yeah. Nowadays, with the modern productions and like even a nasty CD and other CDs of a lot of other bands, you can finally really hear the bass. And, and the, really hear it as well. And that's very nice, you know. I, it was kind of sad to hear the bass always in the background and being a little noisy in the back, but that's it. Yeah, that's very important, man. The bass, yeah. No, I like that you said that because thinking about it now, um, you've probably you probably watched a few sets on it as well. Is uh, you know, Hate Five Six on YouTube. You know how he does like all like the uh, sets that he films in America. Okay. Uh, you, you see, especially in his videos now, um, bass is actually becoming so much more prominent. Like. Um, it's just, it's more there now. Whereas, as you say, if you were to go back, say, maybe 15, 15 years ago, and say, for example, that that show was being filmed, you wouldn't really hear that much from the bass. You know, it would be there, but mm -hmm. compared to now, as you say, it's just so more prominent and everyone's aware now that there is bass going around, around with music. So maybe I did make the actual right choice. Maybe it's a, it's all a lie. <laughs> You've got to find a band soon. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. I'm. Uh, it's. It's certainly my goal. I'm. Uh, I'll get it done eventually. It's just. Uh, it doesn't help that I'm a little bit lazy. That doesn't. You know, the bass. The bass gives me goosebumps when I'm. Let's say, when we come to a venue and we do sound check, like a good venue with a good PA, like yeah. a bigger, and uh, you know, everyone does a sound check and mostly the first thing you do as a sound check, you do a line check. So each instrument is chatting and uh, is checking and playing and the front of house is mixing the volumes and does the magic or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So Barry, our bassist, would play his bass. Sometimes I would be in front of the stage still drinking a coffee or something till he's finished. Yeah. And I hear the bass through the PA and it's like, man, it's so punchy, you know, it's such a brutal sound. It's so nice. And, and thinking about the idea that this wouldn't be there is crazy to me. Mm. So, man, I, I love the bass, especially nowadays, the bass sounds, you know, you get a sense amp and you turn a few wheels on the equalizer and that that's it. Perfect, you know? <laughs> oh, it's awesome. We'll have lead bassists soon when we'll have background guitarists. That's going to be hardcore in the next five years, mark my words. <laughs> um, if, if you were to, uh, 
granted, you've been on so many tours now, but if you were to sort of pile it down to a couple, would you say you've got like a favourite or a couple of favourite tours in mind from over the years? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that tour that I mentioned before, the first tour we ever did, the Hell on Earth tour, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's definitely one of my favourites because it wasn't like a super successful tour. I think Unearth, sadly, at that time was kind of not like big, big, big anymore. No. And, um, you know, and then Evergreen Terrace almost had every time, the, every day the best show. And um, we kind of had really good shows too. I think Dane was on that tour as well. Wow. Bain, Evergreen Terrace, Unearth, Nasty, and uh, Casey Jones was actually the opener. And, um, the guitarist of Casey Jones, uh, Josh, is now the playing guitar in Stick to Your Guns. That's right. We, that tour was, first of all, it was very special to me personally, and I think to the other guys as well, because it was our first commercial big tour on a nightliner which is always very very special for every musician i believe yeah being on nightliner for the first time and uh you know playing a proper tour with proper catering you know everything is planned through you we had a tour manager for the first time that was just a fucking great great memory for us as musicians yeah. it was the first time in this world and then also Unearth, you know, was never really my band, but we became so good friends with them. Yeah. Also, and Bane, like everyone on that tour worked so well with each other. We became all so good friends. So socially, that tour was also fantastic. Fantastic, really. And for me personally, it was awesome because fucking Justin from Killswitch was filling in for Unearth and I became friends with him as well. No way. And I really like Killswitch at that time back then. Yeah. I mean, I was 22 at that time, I believe, something like that. So uh, that was, for me personally, a very nice tour, but I believe for everyone else on the tour as well. Really. Yeah. Was one. And then from one of the younger tours or the most more recent tours, I believe that tour where you went to uh, the Lionheart, Nasty. Um, uh, yeah, Lionheart, Nasty, and get the shot it was. That was that was very successful, and uh, that was our most most successful tour so far, and a lot of fun. You know, it was great, really. We sold out, sold out, didn't it? Almost every show, I believe, on this on this tour. So that was for us very important, and it was also a lot of fun because we had a lot of fun with all the guys on the tour. It was great, really, great, great tour. I mean, how sick was that show in Munich? <laughs> there were a thousand people in Munich, and I believe uh, two years before, three years before, we played Munich. We played a small room in front of 145 people. You know? No way. So within that space of time, just to see how much growth had come from it. And as I say, that show, yeah, absolutely nuts. Like from, from, from the three bands that were on Get The Shot, yeah, let's get the shot yourselves and then Lionheart uh, close it down. And the, the is it the bassist or the guitarist that's um, from, from Germany in Lionheart? Oh yeah, it's Wally, the guitarist. That's it. Yeah. Because um, I remember at that show, he he ended up getting on the mic and he said, sadly, I'm, I'm not very good with German, unfortunately, but he expressed a lot of love and gratitude from what I could gather from the crowd. And I, that, it was at that point where I was like, I thought these were an American band. And then I was like, yeah, it's clicked that he's actually in them, but he's he just obviously he's, he's German. Huh. I know. Yeah, I tell, you, I, tell you, I tell you the story behind that. Wally's a good friend of mine. And... Uh, he started playing for Lionheart because um, I told you I helped out Desolated quite a while ago. That's right. And the tour of Desolated, now I got it back together, 
was uh, Desiree and Leinhardt and Forgor. So Forgor was opening and Wally is playing Forgor bass. That's right, that's right. I was at that. I went to the Stuttgart show for that. I I went to Desolated Lineart and and um, Fallbrook because Kub- Kublai Khan was supposed to be on it, and they ended up pulling out in the end. And exactly. Someone else played on that as well. Wolfpack. Wolfpack were on it as well. Oh yeah, true. Wolfpack. Yeah. Mm. So, um, if I'm once again not talking complete bullshit, <laughs> Wally was a tour as a as as Fallbrook and as a tour manager. Mm. So he's playing guitar Fallbrook. And he was a tour manager on the tour. And I think Leinhardt was, uh, after their tour, looking for uh, a second or a new guitarist. I wasn't, I'm not sure anymore, but they were looking for a guitarist. And uh, they just asked Wally. And Wally, of course, said, of course, man, let's go. Yeah. So now he's basically double functioning. He's a tour manager and uh, uh, guitarist for this band. So That's yeah. amazing. Especially being from the connections where he is in Germany and then being able to go all the way over to America, like setting up tour programs and stuff, especially being a manager. <laughs> I mean, the possibilities are endless after that, aren't they? Yes, it's good, man. It's it's good. I mean, he put himself in that position because he said, yes, I'm going to tour manage this tour. And then, you know, a few doors open. This is just how life works. Certainly. But he wouldn't be the tour manager on this tour back there in Fallball. He wouldn't be the guitarist probably now. So, you know, this is how life works. It's, it it's is. Fucking- just, just falls in line sometimes, doesn't it? Just falls into place and you can't you sit back yeah. and go, it is what it is. Place. It's just <laughs> Um, in terms of uh, countries that you've played in, then, and obviously, as we mentioned, you've you've covered tons of of, of like the actual world. Uh, would would you say you have a favorite country that you like to go visit and would happily revisit again and again? With the band? Yeah, or just personally, either either. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I I personally love traveling forever since I'm you know. Luckily, my 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 parents would never had a lot of money, but we were we somehow traveled low budget they always were uh, traveling with me as a young kid so i yeah. was always to to be away from home traveling and i think this is also that also helped me to be able to be on tour that often because yeah. regular year without corona i would be on tour with nasty once or twice a year i would play festivals of nasty in the summer and uh Besides that, I would be on tour with, for example, Miller or with Amigo the Devil or with a lot of other people, you know, yeah. like, and do a lot of other festival j- jobs. So I, I'm constantly almost out of 30 days a month, I'm going 22 days at least, you know. So oh. um, I think this is something you you need to be able to do because mm. I feel like for regular people, being away from home a lot of times can be very, very hard. You know, yeah. so you really need to be able to do that. I figured that when I was, uh, I figured it out when I was on tour. The longest tour we ever did with Nasty was 36 days straight, no day off. So we played 36 shows in a row. <clears throat> and tour started, that was that uh, a Virgin's Crown tour. Ah, so right, okay. Great, you know, everything was great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after like 29, 30 shows, oh, Excuse me. Yes, that was actually the alarm clock for our original time for the Zoom ah, meeting. My apologies. <laughs> so, um, after 29, 30 shows, I was like, I was empty, man. My head was empty, you know, waking up every morning in a different city, yeah. really going in a different city. So, today you're in fucking Paris, tomorrow you're in Bordeaux, then the next day you're in Madrid, then the next day you're in Barcelona, and then you're in Montpellier. 
and then you're in fucking Zurich, and then <laughs> you're in Stuttgart, and then you're in Berlin. It's it's fucking with your mind, you know. Yeah. It's crazy. And uh, it sounds great to a lot of people, and I love it. Don't get me wrong, I love it, but it's very hard on your mental on your mentality. It's really mm. like because I think we're not made for this naturally, you know. It's like really crazy to wake up in a different place every day. Um, so what was your question again? I'm sorry. Favorite country, yeah. Yes, favorite country to play in, or just visit in general, and would you go back again and again? Which ones? Yeah. So what I actually wanted to say with the last 25 sentences was that I love this thing. And uh, yeah, we did a lot of tours with Nasty, and uh, it's so hard to answer that question, but <clears throat> when it comes to like culture and interest about the country and its people, I would say Japan is really up there because it's it's so unique, the culture... I mean, you have this whole manga stuff going on, all these yeah. crazy colors. Obviously, the Japanese have a very own behavior towards each other. Very much Everything so. It's so unique and so different to our Western world. So to Europe or America, it's really, really different. And I think so, that's shown with Nasty, though, I, I feel. Uh, you've certainly taken that culture on board and you, you expressed it in certainly, whether it be colours or, or videos and certainly, like, characters that you make and stuff on, like, your merch. Uh, it, it's definitely it's been expressed. Yeah, well, it has always an impact on us, huh? Like, every time you go to a new place, you come back a little different, you know? It's yeah. Like, it's just what it is. So Japan is always up there. We are always very, very, very happy to go there. Even today, I talked to the tour manager of Japan who brought us out there, Makoto from Sand, from this band. From Sand, yeah, of course. And uh, I told him, man, I know at the moment it's a, it's a, it's a bad time to talk about that, but, uh, man, uh, I hope we can come back soon. Because we are supposed to go back this year in, like, fall. Right. Every time we release a new album, you know, end of summer, we, we basically go to Japan every time around that. Ah, uh, yeah, man, we missed the food. Whew, the food is <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, you yeah. And uh, yeah, Russia is awesome because it's so fucking weird and the shows are killer. Moscow is probably for every band that played Moscow ever. I would say most bands agree when I say Moscow is one of the craziest shows you can play in the world, probably. You know, it's like, I don't know what's wrong with the Russians, but they go like... <laughs> As soon as they hear, as soon as they hear a riff, does it change them? Does it... <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Something they have a different water there. I don't know. <laughs> Something is very all day, but this is they go, man. The shows we played in Moscow so far, it's hard to top that. You know, it's hard to top that, really, and fantastic. The only place we didn't go yet with Nasty, sadly, it was supposed to happen a couple of days and always got cancelled. Very short notice is Australia. Because we never went to Australia. And I believe we could play uh, pretty cool tours nowadays because mm. we know good bands from there. And I think the scene even got bigger, also through Parkway and bands like that, you know. And Die Hard is big over there and they're also very heavy. So I believe yeah. nowadays it would be way easier with such music to play that than like 10 years ago. Um, but it always got cancelled because of kind of weird reasons. Yeah. This is the only place we didn't go yet. And even me privately, I never went there. So it's up there on the bill for sure. On the, on the list to go to. Do you know, Australia is on the... I think, do you know what? If you're not from Australia, it's definitely on the list to go. I've never looked at it and gone, nah, I don't want to go there. Like, even like, you know, when you everyone's always, oh, the insects and all this and all that and all the dangers. And you go, yeah, but have you seen where you're at? You're in, yeah. you're in Australia. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I mean, I... I 
so many friends there now and also in New Zealand I believe if you if you tour Australia or you travel to Australia you also want tend to, to come with the same package don't they right because it's not that far away so and uh, yeah man I hope we can go there soon and I hope I can also go there soon privately by myself because I have really a lot of very close friends there that I actually miss and uh, yeah here's hoping uh, this blows over sooner rather than later for you so that you can get yourself back over there and just uh, well get get touring again as well I bet that's something that's uh, really killing you off at the moment because I bet you just want I bet you're itching in the words of malevolence go over there and shut the place down yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's what they did with the Invasion Fest, wasn't it, when Malev went over? Because I, I feel like a lot of uh, Australians didn't know about Malevolence. Obviously, they they have bands like Honest Crooks. Uh, and, well, you've got... Well, you're touring with them shortly uh, next year with Counterparts and Exile from New Zealand. Uh, so they have that sort of thing. And so when Malev went over, and I saw videos of uh, when they did an Invasion Fest, like, people were like, what the fuck is this? And, this? and they were like, this is Malevolence, baby. Like, that was... That was sick to watch. A little bit of UK culture, especially from my side of things. It's just nice to see people in a room going. Proper, proper English exports, you you sick cunts. Yeah, that's what we are. That's what we are. <laughs> 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 the thing about Australia is, I like I said, I know a few people, quite a few people from there. Quite have a lot of uh, have quite a lot of friends there. And they're all very, very nice, you know, like very lean back, chill. The new, the, the Kiwis, the New Zealand people as well, super chill. Just lovely people, you know. So yeah. definitely excited and curious about this place, for sure. Well, like I say, hopefully um, in the up and coming weeks and months, if things start improving, you know, things will start getting uh, booked off again. And hopefully you'll be, uh, you'll be taking Australia and New Zealand off the list for yourself soon. Hopefully, man. Really. It's open. It really, really is hoping, to be honest, because as I say, I'm looking forward to that Counterparts and Exile tour when you come over here. I think, I know it's booked for 2021. Um, yeah. So it's just a case of hopefully making sure that that does definitely go through. I don't care if it has to be social distanced. Like, if it means that we can't, like, mosh or anything, it doesn't matter because you're playing. Like, it's a start, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So I think I'd much rather it go through that way, which it's doubtful it's going to go through that way in the UK because... We're selfish. I don't. Loads of stuffs going on in the UK at the moment. Loads of kickoffs with like the whole social distancing side of things. It's yeah. getting it's getting out of hand now. Um, so I imagine we'll be going into a, a lockdown shortly again soon, just to just to tell the UK off, basically. But you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll worry well, about you that. Have the, have the Brexit thing going on. You know that that's sad news now, but uh, it's it's going to be definitely much much harder for bands to come over because I much stopped. So and the new rules and laws that will uh, basically take place soon. <clears throat> and uh, I can tell you, and that's very sad, that um, a lot of bands probably cannot afford to come over anymore because they have to pay for visa, which is very, very expensive. And uh, it's going to be a problem, man. It's going bringing, to be bringing merch over as well was it going to be a big, big, um, was going to be a big bit of trouble, wasn't it? Because uh, the amount of sort of kilo kilo amounts of weight amounts that you're bringing over from your country um mm -hmm. they were going to start taxing it even heavier so say for example you're bringing you know three boxes of hoodies loads of t-shirts uh, and your vinyls and your cds that's extra haulage that you've got to then pay for so again yeah leaving the leaving the eu was a very bad decision that uh, a lot of people made and they're paying for it now mm. but yeah i 
you know what? I'm really not into this. I mean, I like England. I have a lot of friends there as well. Yeah. I've even kind of lived in there when I was younger a little bit because my parents, they, they used to sell chocolate at the Camden Nothing Hill Market in London. So they would oh. go every time over for the weekends. Every weekend I was in London, basically. Yeah. So I have a very close connection to England. You know, I think in, when I was like 13, 14, 15, I was 40 weekends a year I was in London, in England. So oh. I got used to culture and... I love it over there. And so it was kind of sad for me to see that, you know, the guys want to go out of the EU and for whatever reason, I'm, I I, have, I, know, I don't know shit about that. You know, I'm not a yeah. politician. I'm not a business. <laughs> neither, neither am I. It's, uh, it's, it goes on well over my head as well. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's, um, it's, it's going to be definitely hard for bands, even besides merch, because I read the article about what's going to change. Mm. <clears throat> and, you know, for example, when we came to England as a band from, from, from Belgium and Germany, it was kind of always a little bit harder because you had to wait at, at, at Calais and then, you know, take the ferry and the, the border control was yeah. pretty sweaty. Uh, but it was not really like a financial issue, really. On the only financial issue, extra cost that was there was the, 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 the travel to get there, right. you know. But now in the future, once the Brexit, the Brexit is really like, done or whatever mm. uh, i think every artist visa will be around i don't know the exact amount anymore but it was something like maybe 400 bucks or something like that so if you're a band and you have a tour manager and a sound guy and maybe a driver <laughs> it's going to be a problem because if mm. you only get like a guarantee of let's say two thousand pounds thousand pounds are gone for the visas so I really hope they will renegotiate the circumstances there and find a solution to, you know, make culture take place. And because I think it's going to be very sad for the, for the kids and also for the bands to not be able to come over to the UK anymore. Certainly. And only like very, very big artists and artists that can afford to play the visas, but not the smaller ones, ones anymore, you know? That's it. And then it's trying to get them to come over on sort of like the artists, like the bigger artists. And, but it's like, they're not going to be able to bring everyone over, which, you know, yeah. it is, and it's not down to them, sadly, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be one of those things. But um, I think there will be renegotiations. But again, as we say, we're not politicians. Uh, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll never be able to, we'll, we'll never discuss it, unfortunately. But imagine if we did, that would be, a, well, we'd have tours every day. <laughs> never stop touring. <laughs> These days, uh, they, you know, these days they motivate me to become a politician, to be honest, really. Like, I was never into politics, but these days I'm like, I should become a politician, really. Just to try to do good things, you know. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Be the change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> well, that, um, that pretty much uh, covers me uh, in terms of questioning for yourself there. I didn't want to batter you too much with, with, uh, with loads of stuff there. Uh, have you got any uh, shout-outs or any bands that you want to give shout-outs to? Uh, just uh, give them some love. Yeah, I mean, talking about England, Brexit, obviously, like you said, <laughs> hello there. I don't know if you guys are still a band, but um, Desolated, what's up? Play shows again. Why didn't you argue, you lazy cunts? Uh, Malevolence, what's up? And um, Knuckle Dust, yes. what's up? Knuckle Dust, bump them out, what's yes. up? Hotel Truth, what's up? Uh, yeah, While She Sleeps, played a couple of shows together, never we really talked together, but what's up? And uh, yeah, that's it, man. Fantastic. Come over. And yeah. <laughs> 
well, once again, mate, thank you so much for coming onto the show and uh, just chatting about Nasty and just about yourself. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And as I say, thank you for your time. My pleasure. It was a pleasure for me too, really. All the best. Thanks very much, my friend. You enjoy the rest of your day there. You know. Bye-bye. So that there concludes episode five with Nash from Nasty. What a fucking incredible dude. That guy is absolutely humbling to speak to. Um, certainly taken away a few things from the talk. Uh, whether <laughs> other people do or don't, <laughs> it's a different, uh, different story for a different day, of course. Uh, but yeah, just wanted to say thank you once again for having uh, Nash on, on the podcast. And uh, yeah, really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you've got any requests or anything to go on it at all, well, once again, just get into contact with myself either on the Hardcore Project page or through my personal uh, very doubtful, but if I do, sick. Uh, but yeah, thanks very much for your time once again, and uh, keep in tune for the next episode.